the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black in your money. I'm Rob Black. Happy Monday morning to you. Hopefully things are going. Super well for you. It is April 2nd. Today's the day that radio people play stupid st- stunts on you. I promise not to do that at least until next year. But, uh, yeah, nothing working as far as the, the stupid stunts go. How about you? Did you see anything yesterday that was super fantastic? Google always tends to do one. Yesterday they released, they were going to announce that their Google car, which self-drives itself, was going to enter into an indie race. Not that good. Did it fall for anything? I don't think. Ashen Kutcher's going to play Steve Jobs on the small screen. It's a pretty good gig for him. Two and a half men stars going to play Steve Jobs. Um, going to follow the co-founder of Apple. The willful hippie. Running one of the most successful tech companies of the world. What a combination of a life, huh? Um, Kutcher's currently negotiating a deal to return to Mad, uh, not Mad Men, but Two and a Half Men next year. He's going to start shooting the Jobs show in May. Noel Wiley had been linked to the project previously, but for some reason not in this one. Steve Jobs died of pancreatic cancer in October 2011. But that's not really what you care about. That's TV. You care about business and 401ks and retirement. First quarter's over. One of the greatest first quarters of all time. We had a great start to the year. They say that basketball is a first quarter game, that most games are won or lost. In the first quarter, you show up to play, you get a lead. Other team constantly has to try to catch you. So that's the big story out there today. Um, Second quarter. How do we follow up such a great first quarter? There's a company called Cody. They sell perfumes by Heidi Klum and Beyonce. They've offered to buy Avon for $10 billion. More than triple their current sales. 
by Avon would give Cody, which is owned by the large shareholder in European uh, consumer products, owned by a guy named Reckett, or a company, Beckenkaiser, new door-to-door channel for selling cosmetics, would be more than twice their sales. You have a pretty big takeover. Biggest since Procter & Gamble's 2005 purchase of Gillette for $57 billion. Cody clearly wants to do this deal. So mergers and acquisitions in the news today. Standard Poor's 500 starts the morning off a little bit lower. Let's take a look at the market numbers. Dow's down 17. The SP 500 is about flat. It's gone from negative to positive territory in the morning. NASDAQ up five. Gold sits up five bucks an ounce, sitting at 1674 an ounce. Oil down 30 cents, sitting at $102 a barrel. That S&P 500 12% gain in the first quarter really is going to say that, you know, if history is the guide, we're going to get an advance for the year. Now, should you take that to the bank and sell everything? No. But we should be up for the year, provided traders believe that Federal Reserve is going to keep the money spigot open and that no economic data is going to collapse our economy. As always, past performance not indicative of future results. So you can't really count on it. But if you go back to the 1950s, the SP has had 13 years when it rose more than 8% in the first quarter. Every time the index ended the year positive, though the pace of the rise may not stay intact, we may not go up 24, 36, 48%. So uh, you look back at the first quarter. Sears Holdings, one of the crappiest companies that I could think about, was a big winner. Up 105% for the quarter. Bank of America up 74%. 80% of the stocks, the S&P 500, were up in the quarter. So that's tough performance to replicate. A lot of opinions of purchasing managers at companies around the world will give a little bit of an opinion on this today. It's the Purchasing Managers Index. The official Chinese March PMI showed a stronger reading than the one compiled for HSBC. But Chinese growth remains solid. There's no way around that. It's slowing but solid. March payroll data is going to be reported on Friday, and it's probably, again, the first week of the month is the one thing that really can change the whole month. Now, the market's going to be closed on Friday for Good Friday. So will it have the same importance, or will it spill over into Monday? Easter weekend coming up, ladies and gentlemen. First quarter earnings reports start coming out next week, and they're likely going to dominate the month's news. In our pre-announcement season in the last four weeks, we didn't really get anything that was dramatically horrific. But you're going to see earnings only up a few percentage points across the board. And that'll be a slowdown from the 14% growth that we had in the first quarter of 2011. So year over year, it won't be as impressive. That's okay. Economic expansions eventually slow down. And they start back up again. 
typically after a little bit of a recession. The earnings outlook is good enough right now to provide justification for the recent stock market rally. Not going to be strong enough to keep the rally going. Will we have that sell in May is the question. You know, if I was a betting man, I'd say, you know, going into the election, politicians are going to say things that they probably can't keep up. Will Wall Street figure that out or not? Obama's candidacy for the economy would have been horrific if it wasn't for government spending. Now, some people would say, hey, he got his money's worth. The economy's working again. Some people would say, you take away the government money and we collapse. Groupon's a stock to watch today. They announced that it's uh, going to have to restate their results. Showing you that management couldn't really be trusted. You know, I tell you, be very cautious owning IPOs the first year of their life. You kind of want to watch them grow up and do their thing. They didn't realize that how much cash they had to set aside for customers who decided not to use the coupon. So they're down 12% today, so it's 16 bucks a share. It IPO'd at 26. It's now at 16. It's 52-week low is 14.85. Today it's as low as 15.70. So it's not back to its 52-week low. But pretty close. Keep in mind, last time it fell this far, it then rallied almost 100%. So that's one of the bigger stories of the day. AOL has extended to CEO Tim Armstrong's contract through 2016. U.S. Airways flight attendants have rejected tentative labor agreement. We got this and more. Don't forget, I got a seminar coming up, not this Thursday, but the following Thursday in Palo Alto at the Dinos Garden Hotel. Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Let's take a little bit of a break here. Again, looking at the numbers for the morning, we started out negative. We've gone slightly positive as the morning's gone on. NASDAQ's up four, the SP 500 up two, the Dow's down 13. It goes to AM 1220, KDOW. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Things that you need to know this morning, there's not a lot of them. Ashton Kutcher is going to play Steve Jobs in an upcoming biopic. Like I said, not that much. I own shares of Apple. One analyst this morning has come out and put a thousand dollar and one buck price tag on Apple. He's the first person, quote unquote, go there. I've said for three years that we go to a thousand, probably five hundred first, and then six hundred, and somewhere around seven fifty. I'm going to really have to re- rethink the thesis. How much cash are they using to buy back shares? What are they doing with their dividends? Apple's dominating the mobile internet. China's going to end up being huge for the internet and the mobile internet. And the Apple TV will probably mark the beginning of dominance for Apple in the living room. So one analyst goes to 1,001 today. Dow's up five, the NASDAQ's up eight, the SP 500 up three. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton. He is the financial house planner of the show, Rob Black and Your Money. 
I think kind of, you know, some people have house bands. I've got a house planner, which is kind of nice to know. Um, let's talk estate planning tips. Uh, estate planning is clearly tied towards our elderly population, and estate planners are tips are typically tied to people with money, something they need to plan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, first of all, when you're doing your estate plan, you need to review it carefully with the attorney every two years. The state tax laws are changing all the time. We I went from those five years. Uh, right now it's every two because the state tax law is changing so drastically. So, for example, um, 2009 you could pass on – well, prior to, to the Bush tax cuts, you could right. pass like $650,000 on your heirs without a big estate tax. Then it went up $2 million, then two. Then 2009 it was $3.5 million. 2010 it went away and was replaced by a capital gains tax when you die. And then 2012 right now, it's $5 million bucks. And you can gift $5 million away while you're living. It used to be only a million. So, like, if you wanted to gift more than a million out of your state while you you were alive, you'd have to pay, you know, 35% plus in gift taxes. Right. So now there's a huge gifting opportunity to gift stuff outside of your estate. But you've really got to do long-term financial planning projections. How much can you afford to gift? Who do you want to gift it to? How much control do you want to have after death? Um, really work to figure out how to protect your children from lawsuits and divorce that they'll see in their future. Um, so the, the estate law is changing every year right now. So if you're not reviewing your trust and your, your wishes every two years with your attorney, um, you're doing yourself and your family a disservice, really. What was that mumbo-jumbo about protecting your kids from lawsuits after you die? Well, so if, you, if the kids get the money out, right, and it's part of their overall estate, and they're sued for something, they could lose it in a lawsuit. Okay. Um, so let's say your kid's a contractor, and you know you're going to leave them money, but they're a contractor. So, you know, if they do something wrong and the house burns down and they get sued, yeah. liable, then they could lose the assets. My kids won't be contractors. But if it's um, in held in a trust that they can't, you know, have 100 percent control of, it can be protected. Also, if you leave people money, right? If you if 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 I was to inherit money from my parents, which they don't have any, so I won't. <laughs> if I was, though, and I put it into my joint account with a spouse, and then we get divorced, they get half because they've co- we've commingled the assets. Okay. But if they keep it in separate property, it's not pulled into the divorce at all. And uh, so most people aren't good at keeping property separate because a lot of times you get married the first couple of years, everything's great, right? Absolutely. And I've you commingle there. stuff, and then all of a sudden half's gone 10 years later. So you have to keep it in separate property. Um, but even better, if it's held in trust for them to protect their lifestyle going forward, it's protected from lawsuits, a divorce, and all that kind of good stuff. You know, I have a question for you. Is How much estate planning have you done? Because you're still relatively young. You're probably mm-hmm. going to work another 20-plus years minimum. You're going to accumulate a lot more wealth probably in your 50s and 60s. You know, after the kids are gone to college, it'll a little snowball for you. Your company continues to grow each year. Um, how much estate planning have you actually done in, at this, this stage of the game? A lot. I did a lot, you know, even, you know, my oldest is 12. So um, even back when he was 12, you still have to look at your gross value of your estate, right? Because first of all, a probate is on the gross value of your estate. The probate costs, which are mandated costs, we have Michelle Lerman on here talking about this all the time, where even if, you're, if you, you have a million-dollar home and 30000 in your 401K, but your mortgage is 600000 so you think you're not worth that much, um, your your gross estate is prior to your debts, and that's what probate is on. And so the first part of estate planning is protecting the cost of probate. Second is, you know, what happens to your kids and your kids' money? 
And so you've got to calculate your life insurance in there too, as far as how much are my kids going to inherit? And would you want an 18 to 25 year old inheriting a couple million dollars worth of life insurance? Heck no. Does a trust really save you that much money in probate? Because I hear Michelle Lerman, she says, you know, you could pay me 40 to 60 in probate or you could pay me 4,000 for a trust. Like, why is she telling people to do a trust when a probate would clearly make probate's them money? probate's not fun. I okay. mean, it's 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 a lot of work. It's a lot of, you know, so court issues. All, all a will is, Rob, is yep. a letter to the court on how you want your estate probated. Yep. And so that means courts are getting fees, attorneys are getting fees, document filing fee. All this stuff happens that really adds up. And, you yep. know, when you have a trust, it's a much easier process to settle an estate. I've got a pretty funny will where if I die, I'm going to bequeath like a, a sack full of my toenails to Chad because I want the lawyer reading, Chad Burton, you have to come to my office. There's something in the will that Rob Black wants to give you. But you've left your instructions on your laser disc. <laughs> so laser he's disc. going to be able to figure out what you want. Don't mock me my laser disc <laughs> and my Betamaxes. Um, but can you put in cool things like leaving Chad Burton a, a box of toenails in a trust? You can, yeah, if you want to. But I mean, you've got to, you can be creative too. Where let's say you want your kids to be involved in the money management inside the trust, you can say, here's X number of dollars that you're going to get from 30 to 35. Um, by the way, though, if you put money into a retirement account, the trust will reimburse you for doing that. So that forces them to put money into a retirement account, invest it, and have a reason to get involved with saving. Right. You see what I mean? So you can have that control and, and uh, after you pass away. And that's, that's really a good thing. I mean, you know, we're just in a generation where there's just not enough education in our schools for kids when it comes to money. Oh, yeah. I mean, do you remember if you, the, the most education I got was learning how to write a check in, like, freshman year in high school. That's it. I learned how to sew in high school. You're listening to <laughs> Rob Black here, Money at CFP, Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. So some of the big stories this morning, Groupon is sliding. They've had to revise their... Earnings from the first quarter, the daily provider issued a revision to its fourth quarter results. I call it first quarter, but you get the idea. Owing to changes that ways, uh, it counts for refunds and reserves. Avon, the largest director of selling beauty products, is uh, up 20% after company Cody is offered to take and buy Cody for a big whopping $10 billion. February construction spending fell 1.1%. Construction spending down, seasonally adjusted rate. Economists had expected a 7 tenths of 1% gain, so economic data is a little bit weaker than expected. Manufacturing index climbed to a 53.4% reading, which any reading above 50% is expansion. So we got that going for us, which is nice. Second quarter is well underway. The Dow's flat for the day. The NASDAQ is up, and the SP 500 up fractions. 800. 516-1220 to get your calls on the air. they are really a bad idea to dye chicks for Easter 
You can dye chicks. You can actually inject into them the incubating egg. Or you can spray paint onto a hatchling. Most people think it's harmless, but I don't like animals as playthings. I think it's uh, pretty crazy. But yeah, you can do it if that's uh, part of your, your happy holidays. New iPad now is getting positive reviews from Consumer Reports. You might remember that Consumer Reports has now changed its story because when they first came out, it was running a little bit too hot for Consumer Reports. They didn't find room for the concern there. But now the new iPad, according to Consumer Reports, is the most recommended tablet. So they've changed their tune ever so slightly on that one. Take a look at kids and media today. It's interesting to note that as advertisers will have just a brutal time keeping up with the digital media. You know, I could tell you what I've witnessed from cousins and how they now consume media. It's a lot of it. Kids consume a heck of a lot more media today than I did. Ultimately, what it's coming down to, according to a new study, is if kids are awake, they're consuming media. Increasingly, they're consuming multiple forms of media at the same time. Kids kids print media is tiny. Kids digital media consumption is through the roof. In two-thirds of all households, TVs are on during meals. In 75% of households, TVs are on when no one's watching them. More than 70% of kids have TVs in their bedrooms, which I think is a big no-no. Basically spews that as a parent you don't care. Generically speaking, depending on what he's watching and what he's not watching. Only one-third of households have media consumption rules. No surprise, more media is consumed in households in which TVs are always on when there are no media consumption rules and where kids have TVs in the bedrooms. Chad Burton's got a great one where his kids get one hour of screen time a day. Love that. Is that realistic for people? Tough for me to say. It's you know, none of my business. The Dow is down nine this morning. The Nasdaq's up four. The S&P 500 is up two. Other stories out there of note today. Burger King is reinventing their food and their look. I always find this interesting. Uh, I still think it's always going to be best to go with Apple until, no, I'm sorry, not Apple, but uh, that's a Freudian slip. I think it's always going to be best to go with a company like uh, McDonald's until proven otherwise. I like McDonald's for the dividend. The growth that you get in the stock's wonderful, but I like it for the dividend. So it doesn't sound like Burger King, the brick facade and mood lighting, but that's what they're doing. Not when one of their three new salads is topped with tangy apple slices and dried cranberries and covered in apple cider vinaigrette. They'll make to order frappes. That doesn't sound a bit like the Burger King I grew up knowing. Burger King I grew up knowing had better prizes or better toys than McDonald's. 
So Burger King's going to try to focus less on the young, hungry, and more on the moms and families and boomers. In the next 12 months, Burger King and its franchisees will spend about $750 million fixing the menu, revamping marketing, tweaking operations, updating the look. A vastly changed menu with 10 new items rolls out today. Is this enough to say, let's go after or let's give up on McDonald's? I don't know. We did get one big piece of news today. Manufacturing grew in March at a faster pace than the previous month, driven by greater consumer and business spending on autos, machinery, and other goods. Economically speaking, that's good news. What's good for manufacturing is good for jobs. The Institute for Supply Management, the ISM, its trade group of purchasing managers says that its index of manufacturing activity rose to a reading of 53. Any number above 50 says the economy is expanding. Manufacturing is a big source of jobs. They've added more than 100,000 jobs in the past three months. It's about one-seventh of all jobs. So construction spending a little bit lower. Construction, again, putting people to work. Therefore, it's something we pay a lot of attention to. Other stories of note. We're in the second quarter, and how will the stock market continue to grow? This whole economic cycle helps what's good for the economy is typically good for the jobs market, which is typically good for the economy, which is typically good for the stock market. Now, typically credit trends play a huge role in expansion. The market collapse of 2008, the subsequent recession, was a direct result of a credit market implosion. The very early on recovery of 2010 was driven by a stabilization of credit market conditions. Now credit expansion has begun anew. It augurs really well for economic and stock markets going forward in the next one to three years. To me, there's no doubt that there was a housing bubble that was created over many years of credit issues. And there, then the credit market froze for 2008, 2009. And when that happened, Lehman went bankrupt in 2008. The regular flow of credit between financial institutions stopped. Banks that had lent excessively for years stopped. That contraction of credit slammed our economy. You know, to some, the basis of the problem was excessive government protection of the housing industry, which amounted to a subsidization that led to an overexpansion of the housing sector and a significant propping up of housing prices, which if you think your house is going to go back to 2006 levels, most of you are incorrect. Not anytime soon, at least. Keep in mind, the average house in America is down about 35% since then. So you'd need to see a, a massive pop. So if your house goes from a million down to 650,000, to go from 650,000 to a million, it's not 35% on the upside. It's, you, you lose a lot more mathematically. Some people think it was Wall Street that it was unregulated, over-leveraged mortgage debt. Both are true. The government helped create a problem. Wall Street made it 10 times bigger. 
So depending on, you know, Republicans say too many people got loans that shouldn't have got loans. Democrats say that, you know, once those loans were sold, that Wall Street went out and abused them. Credit's lifeblood of the modern economy. When credit expands, economic growth accelerates. During, pre- during periods of credit expansion, the Federal Reserve needs to control credit growth so that inflation is kept restrained and so that credit bubbles don't occur. Yet it's probably impossible to stop credit bubbles from occurring. So a lot of people think the Federal Reserve is kind of a joke. Therefore, when credit bubbles aren't possibly manageable, credit cycles are generational. The generation that grew up in the Depression saw that trauma was created by excesses of the 1920s. And they only accepted debt very, very, very cautiously for the whole rest of their life. The next two generations saw that credit created wealth. They had no fear of debt. They borrowed against their homes to take vacation. They leveraged debt against presumed future income. Optimism reigned supreme. As forecasts of Dow 40,000, NASDAQ 10,000 were rampant, home prices were expected to go up forever, and unemployment was going to remain low. A disruption of that presumed asset value of the home led to greater leverage, and that greater leverage led to a bigger correction. So there's different types of people and how they view credit. And how they think credit helps or hurts economies. The credit markets are healing right now. They're doing much, much, much better. Thank you. Financial companies and banks have improved their balance sheets, capital positions. It's taken them three years to do it, but they're getting healthier and healthier. It's one of the reasons I think they're investable. Lending's picking up again. When lending happens, bank stocks roar. The strong financial sector reduces the risks that a double-dip recession will occur. Credit cycle, it would probably require another hit to credit conditions to reverse the growth of the credit cycle. So consumers have better balance sheets. Businesses have better balance sheets. Financial institutions have better financial balance sheets right now. They've repaired them. Credit cycle is a long way until excessive optimism returns. It may even take another generation. Now, the renewed uptrend in the credit cycle suggests Stock market gains can continue given excellent current valuation in stocks. I feel very, very comfortable where we are. I'm not happy. I'm not sad. I'm very comfortable economically where we are. Take a quick look at the market numbers. Starting off the second quarter of the year. Lower on the Dow, down 9. NASDAQ up 4. SP 500 up 2. Gold sits at 1678 an ounce, up nine bucks, and oil sits at $103 a barrel. You listen to AM 1220, KDOW. Welcome in. Welcome back. I'm Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. We've got all three major markets now. Uh, now they're not all in the green. NASDAQ's in the green, up seven. The SP 500 up three. Dow's down less than one point. Um, Avon rejecting a $10 billion takeover bid from Cody this morning. America's number one in corporate taxes. In the world, we have a higher set corporate tax rate than any other country. 
Japan's corporate taxes dropped to 38%, making America's 39.2% rate the world's highest, well above the average of 25.4% for developed nations. President Obama has proposed lowering that top rate to 28%. Romney's talked about dropping it to 25%. You know, that's a, a bite of the apple, right? Here, come eat this apple. Every industrialized country around the globe understands that tax rates can determine whether businesses succeed or fail. We're serious about stopping the so-called outsourcing. We absolutely got to stop our crazy tax scenario on corporations. Now, generally, electric, do they even pay taxes? AT&T, Bank of American Travelers. What's their effective tax rate? Verizon's effective tax rate is just 2.7%. So there's a lot of loopholes in our taxes. With corporate profits near record levels, corporations sitting on a trillion dollars in cash in America. A lot of it's parked overseas to avoid U.S. taxes. Given an incredibly high level of profitability in cash on corporate balance sheets already, is there any reason to think lower rates would really result in more hiring? These are debates that people have. People get pretty ugly about it. So other sh- stories in the news today. I think it's pretty fair to say that you know we watched the stock market tick by, tick. Chinese manufacturing rose to a reading of 53.1. Japan's tank and manufacturing index held at negative 4. Eurozone unemployment rate ticked up to 10.8%. Telecom stocks and consumer staples doing well in the U.S. Weakness seen in materials and energy. You know, I just talked a little international. Let's flesh that out a little bit more. When you look at international, a lot of people talk about BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, and China. Saying that they're all trying to move towards the standard of living America has. In North America, we enjoy great standard of living. So, you know, linking bricks towards trade, linking the bricks towards stock market growth, a lot of people do. The IMF forecasts that by 2016, nearly a quarter of the global GDP will come from Brazil, Russia, India, and China, compared with just 8% in the year 2000. During that same period, a lot of GDP from G7 nations predicted to decline to 44% from 66%. As Europe heads back into a recession and the U.S. basically grows beneath or below historic average. Brick nations have got some great fundamentals. At the same time, G7 nations, they're, they're implementing austerity to offset years of spending and borrowing to be the engine growth of the world. Diminishing demand amongst developed nations means developing nations, including the BRICS, have to become a lot more reliant on each other to support the export markets. You know, India, they're going to need Brazil, Russia, and China to work with them. Growing importance of inter-brick trade. 
Now, that'll blow your mind if you start thinking about it too much. We all know that Europe's got some problems, right, economically speaking. I can make a joke here about something else, but I won't. Greece's financial crisis is forcing the country to stamp out health care corruption that began decades ago with gifts of cheese and chickens from farmers grateful for the care they received. The urgency to fix the Greek health care system has grown. That's going to be one of the more interesting things to watch in the coming years. We know that America's got problems with health care costs. Some of it's tied towards corruption. So Greece will be a little bit of a, can health care be reformed through austerity and through dire measures? Prescription fraud, bribery for surgeries. In Greece, has cost the government hundreds of millions of dollars. In Greece, the most widespread sector, as far as viewing from uh, from corruption, it's considered healthcare. The healthcare sector is there the most is the most corrupt. Ahead of tax offices, ahead of tax planning authorities. So this week, as the week goes on. When we see manufacturing stronger than expected, we know manufacturing creates jobs. This is a big week for jobs. A lot of the regional surveys reflect slowing in the manufacturing sector in the month of March. You know, putting it in its proper context, is it slowing or is it grinding to a halt or is it just, you know, you know bumping along? Or is it just not going to be as strong? Tomorrow we're going to get factory orders, a st- strong increase in orders. For civilian aircraft and non-durables tied to energy prices likely to translate into a solid rise for new factory orders. That should bode well for employment. Tuesday, we also get Fed minutes. And it will talk about, you know, did the Fed central bank, what did they see in the economic cycle? Construction spending in the United States unexpectedly dropped. Keep in mind, we had a very warm winter, and that pulled a lot of jobs forward. 1.1% decrease, the biggest in seven months, followed a revised up eight-tenths percent in January. That was larger than expected. So some people think housing's on the mend. Some people think these numbers are being pulled forward. Private residential outlays were little changed in February. Spending on public construction decreased 1.7%. The decrease in total spending signals favorable weather. Failed to lift the industry in February. Average temperature was 38 degrees Fahrenheit. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Let's take a quick look at the market numbers. Dow's up 21. That's nice to see. We're starting the second quarter up 21 on the Dow, up 13 on the NASDAQ, and up 6 on the SP 500. Joining me now, CFB Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Best way to reduce shocks to a portfolio, both in retirement as well as in youth. Thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, world events. Let's let's just look at the last decade. We've seen a tech bubble, and then we saw a real estate bubble, and now we're right in the middle of a debt bubble. We've seen Greece. We're dealing with issues of Spain and Italy now. Uh, what's next, Iran? I, I mean, think, I think it's gonna be Mr. Bubble. Mr. Bubble. I think he's making a resurgence, and people are gonna say the next bubble is Mr. Bubble. 
<laughs> All right. Well, let's just go with that. So the best way that I've seen to to reduce the shocks in overall portfolio is to stay diversified and rebalance often. Not sexy. I know. Well, I mean, here's here's the deal, though. When when people come and talk about asset allocation, it can go into other levels. For example, in your bond portfolio, do you own not only corporate bonds, high yield bonds, government bonds in the form of tips? Um, you know, also international bonds. I mean, if you're earning, if the dollar falls, for example, let's say inflation is a shock or a falling dollar is a shock to the overall market. If you're earning interest in other currencies and foreign bonds, that's a good hedge against the dollar. But the best way to do it is to make sure you have emergency reserves. And when you're, you know, young and working at six to 12 months of your family's expenses in cash. So if you need, you know, $4,000 a month to keep the lights on and the food on the table in your house, you need six times that a minimum in cash. Can you put that in muni bonds? No. Because I get that question all the time, people who want to use their cash to get higher returns. Now, potentially, I mean, there's, there's, you know, California tax-free money market accounts, and that's okay. You've saw, you've seen issues, though, where that has you know, had issues of, of returns. You saw a couple of money market funds break the buck in 2008 and nine. That's, um, fr- that's a phrase, just to let people know, that we never thought the, the buck could be broken. Right, because most money market shares trade at a dollar a share all the time. And the institution never wants to give you 99 cents back because that would be shameful for them. Well, and most money market funds are costing mutual fund families money now to keep them at a dollar. Gotcha. Because you can't hunt for yield. They were hunting for yield in European bank paper, and they're pretty much out of it at this point. So it's harder to even keep you know their interest rates above zero. But with that said, it's you know when you're in retirement or close to retirement, you need three years worth of your portfolio draws in cash because world events will occur. Seven out of ten years are positive. Three out of ten years are negative. To get through those negative years in the market when you can't rebalance your portfolio and peel off gains because there aren't any, right. you've got to have the cash to live off of. If you look at your portfolio over all of the last three bubbles that we've had, balanced portfolios have averaged over 6% unless you drew on them when they were down. In that case, you're way behind. So to, to ward that off, you've got to invest the right way in asset allocation, have different asset classes that are doing well. Um, when the stock market isn't, and you've got to have cash for when everything is doing poorly. Like 2009, asset allocation, everything fell off a cliff. Even gold fell off a cliff in a really ugly time because hedge funds were having to sell it to meet redemptions. Okay, let's ask, let me ask some questions. And you, short answers, okay? Okay. At this moment in time, do you own corporate bonds? Yes. At this moment in time, do you own high yield bonds? Yes. At this moment in time, do you own tips? Yes. Treasuries? Uh, yes, in the intermediate term. I'm not. I can't tell you if I will in 12 months. But how about right dividend now. achievers? Oh, majority of the stock portfolio. Okay. 100% of our individual stocks, dividend achievers, and a good portion of our balanced ETF no load fund portfolio is dividend achiever. And you know, like in a bullish market, that most of those are going to underperform the bullish stocks, but yet you still have to do it. And in a bearish market, those are going to save you. you well, the, so, or am so I oversimplifying? You're oversimplifying because I think actually in a dividend achiever. Um, well, not okay. just dividend-paying stocks; those have underperformed a bull market. Dividend achievers are growing companies that still pay a dividend, so the yield isn't as high, but their growth—you you look for growth there too. But where they get, you know, in a dividend achiever, where you 2009, for example, the income in the stock portfolio still went up, even though the overall market was down, yep. because you're divi- you're buying companies that raise their dividend. So between your three years worth of expenses in cash and your dividends that come in on a quarterly basis, 
you've got that hedge. I mean, the way that I do it is I'm always at least hedging, you know, five to seven years worth of income. So I know I don't have to sell anything. If we go through a period of like 2000 when the market topped out, tanked down to 2003, and then recovered by 2007. I want to be able to get people through those types of periods because they're going to be retired from 65 to 100. Okay. Probably what I should have said is that sometimes these basket of income producers make us feel like I wish the money was elsewhere. In hindsight, I wish I had it all at Apple, Mm -hmm. but you just can't do it. No, asset allocation, you're going to have to realize that when the market is 100% bull market, um, you will underperform a little bit because your bonds won't be keeping up with the the stocks. Your, uh, you know, your your emerging markets tend to fall more than the S and P five hundred in a na- in a negative year, but they tend to do better in a in a good year. So it it's it all rotates. It all reverts to the mean. Talking best ways to reduce shocks in a portfolio in retirement at CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at law online chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com or his company, newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. He and I do seminars around the Bay Area all the time. You can come out and meet him. He's a good guy. I think you'll grow to like him. One of the seminars that we're doing coming up in Palo Alto at the Diamonds Garden Hotel, it's right around the corner. It's on the 12th this month. Thursday night affair. So it's about, what's that, 10 days away? Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning. I'll go over the stocks that I own and why I own them. Chad will go over Wealth Preservation Retirement Issues. Michelle Lerman will be there talking estate planning laws that you need to try to take advantage of, especially if you're wealthy. She's a good presenter. Um, I always like working with her. Lionsgate's in the news today. Their stock's a little bit lower than the market's. Domestic weekend box office for the Hunger Games was $61 million. Closer uh, analyst expectations were closer to about seventy million. So a little bit of uh, gas coming out of the Hunger Games and that stock. Keep in mind the Hunger Games is going to have at least two more movies. So will that be enough to move the stock in the future? We've seen things like that in the past. With that said, take a look at IMAX as well as a play on Avatar two and three. Hunger Games 2 and 3 would be Lionsgate. I'm not telling you to do this. I'm saying it could happen. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial on AM 1220 KDOW. Just 1990. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.